welcome back to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan. But before we get into any conversations around fantasy, we first need to issue an apology. You know, today it's no secret based on the title. We're talking about one of our favorite fantasy universes, the First Law Universe by Joe Abercrombie. We are, of course, talking about Leo Dan Brock, a full-on character study of the man. But before we do that, while we have the attention of our First Law fan fans, we need to issue... An apology statement. (laughs) (laughs) Our fans that are first law fans. (laughs) Yes. Uh, You do do want me to to do the apology? I mean, I think this is. (laughs) Yeah, I think you should. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, we were speculating on if there had ever been. A point of view character, like a main point of view character in uh, the First Law universe that had received a repeat uh, point of view in a different book. And Mm -hmm. while I did astutely, I like to think, uh, point out that Kern and Crawl does get point of views in both the heroes and then in the short story in Sharp Ends... I failed to mention that Shy South, one of my mm-hmm. favorite characters. I don't know if that's actually fair to say. <laughs> but you're such know, a Shy champion for Red but Country. You, I do like, I'm a champion of Red Country. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I was. my head was at there. And I, I do really like Shy. And there's just so many fantastic characters in First Law. But anyway, onwards with the apology. Shy South does have a point of view in Sharp Ends as well, in addition to her being a main point of view in Red Country. Uh, Controversially, my favorite of the standalones. Always the least Mm -hmm. favorite every time we do any sort of vote uh, of the three. (laughs) But anyway, yes, I... So we are I sorry, you know, we take great... Uh, and thank you to the listener that pointed this out. I did not figure this out on, on my own. I'm not yes. sure if you want me saying your name on here, so so I won't. But um, if, uh, if you do want a shout out, we'll give you one in the next character study by name. <laughs> for sure, <laughs> anyway, yes. Thank you for pointing that out. Yes, thank you. You know, we take great pride in our knowledge of the First Law universe we take great pride in the audience that we have, you know, brought into the discussion of our First Law discussions. There's so many great, wonderful First Law fans out there. We've had the privilege of interviewing Joe Abercrombie. We have arcs of the wisdom of crowds. Okay, we take this very seriously. So to have missed... Are they still arcs? Once they will the always be arcs. <laughs> they can't take that away from us. They can't take that away from us. At some point, do they cease being an arcs in advanced review copy? Um, it will always be advanced. advanced reader copy? Uh, I think... I think it's a review copy, uh, but I don't know. Advanced review copy? I don't know. I I just read it. So, uh, yes. (laughs) Any other series, we would have let this go. 
But to our first law fans, we uh, owe you a deep apology. Even though I feel like this is um, mostly Dylan's fault. Uh, he was the one that was kind of pushing this did you know POVs aren't repeated narrative and I was like I don't know if that's true I feel like maybe it is because you're kind of leading me to think that it is Uh, I wasn't willing to kind of put my reputation out there but there it is so um, hopefully you can forgive us and we can move on you know we said we were going to keep this episode uh, to an hour so we're gonna have to give that a try yeah, and we've spent the first five minutes apologizing for but it was important uh, we had to do it shy mistake. uh shy south you know we love red country here on ftf so um we just want to make sure we gave her some respect you know put respect on that name and maybe a future yeah. character study right there shy south you never know she's um well, eligible maybe. For sure. We haven't done any for the standalones. Not, we kind of... You know who should get... Okay, this is... We'll save this for back, uh, you know, uh, behind the scenes, but... You know who deserves one is Shivers. Shivers. That will be more than an hour to go... Because he's... He's everywhere. In every freaking... I I mean, except uh, the blade itself. I think he shows up in Before They Are Hanged. Oh, yeah. He's he's Count the Winters. Every single book (laughs) besides... Oh God! No, we're gonna end up issuing another apology on this. It's like actually, yeah. <laughs> let's chill with Shivers the definitive statements here. <laughs> it has been a year since we've read uh, the first Law Universe books, so we're not as up to date on those as we are with the. Uh, I think Age I'm right on this one. Let me know if Shivers has uh, is not in any of the books. And by the way, I don't want to backtrack too much, but. Sharp ends, to what extent? It's not, you know, they're short stories, so it's it's not like he's ever repeated in a main novel, uh, a main point of view. So, yeah, you know, my, my <laughs> general point, maybe I was technically incorrect, my general point that we don't get these repeat point of views in later novels in the trilogy, that... Right. That holds up. Yeah. But anyway, we should we should really get into the actual topic of this yes. episode, which is uh, character study. Is that what mm-hmm. we're calling these now? Of Leo Dan Brock. Um, the young lion. The guy. Yeah, the young lion. The guy goes through a pretty incredible art. Oh, do we not give a spoiler warning? Uh, <laughs> um, I don't we think so. About this. Uh, we, no, we should probably give one. I don't think we've spoiled anything yet. I wonder if we've spoiled except shivers. Think, but we just like, said shivers is in every book. Uh, but yeah, just put no, the spoiler it, warning it out there. Though. It could be worse. I'll put it in the title okay, and the description you, and all that. So yeah, if you haven't yet read all the first law universe and you don't want anything spoiled for you, then now is a good time to turn this down in your headphones and go catch up with the first law universe because we're not going to hold back when it comes to spoilers for any of those books there. That's right. Okay. Man, what to like something stuck okay. with me, Dylan, from our wisdom of crowds discussion that you had said that I thought was Ooh. so true and uh, kind of goes for a lot of, and we've kind of made the same sentiment for other characters in uh, the first law universe before, but especially in Leo's case, this is a, a case in where a person goes through character development and is kind of just as 
bad as they always were just in different ways and that's their like development they didn't like grow up bad and then become good or or be good and then get corrupted and become bad they were just like kind of a dick in one way and now they're a dick in another way it's just like it, but it's changed and the change was super fascinating and that's what makes leo so unique in these in these um in the age of madness is because other characters you know go through well, lots of changes too but leo's is the most fascinating because you don't necessarily want to root for him or cheer for him but you don't hate him he, like you don't like despise him as a character either even though he does some of the more uh, I kind of do dickish things towards the end. <laughs> I <laughs> well, you're an Orso stand. I kind of yeah. I I think I despise Leo. Mm. I would say he might be the character I most despise in uh, you know of the, of the point of views. Okay, no, of the point of views in um, geez, uh, uh, in at least the Age of Madness. I don't know who would. Who would be yeah. Yeah. there? I don't know. I mean, you have I, Savine right there with them. You know, she does. She's not as bad. Yeah. By the end, anyway. I guess you, it's like Savine for some reason wins you over sometimes. Like she does have that hesitation around doing like horrible things. She wanted to spare Orso. She wanted to, you know. Um, mm actually give an honest go at governing the city and all of that so you kind of give her a little more slack than leo who uh, <laughs> by the end has no problems like seizing his moment and that's a lot of the theme of the last book for him it's like i'm not gonna let um like an opportunity slip past me again i'm gonna jump on it when the moment it presents itself i'm not gonna say no and that's kind of what he does when he betrays Orso. and so he's willing to do these things now after he's been like his body was destroyed in trouble with peace and uh it was great to watch him kind of turn into a, a glockta light example but he's he doesn't have any of the redeeming qualities of glock he's not self-aware he's not clever he's not funny um he's just like mean and crotchety <laughs> those first two he, he you might be able to call him self-aware and clever by the by the end yes that's fair. by the last book but he he starts off he's also just a bigot which yes. never goes away in in this book he's it starts with he's like xenophobic uh, he's uh, i mean he's also homophobic but obviously that's that's repressed. more complicated <laughs> because yeah he's he's clearly repressed and he's at the very least like attracted to men i think in addition to women like it does mm -hmm. seem like under the right circumstances he can be sexually attracted to to women like you need savine to beat the crap out of him but for some reason that that does it yes. for him <laughs> abercrombie's characters sometimes have very uh interesting like sexual fetishes like and quirks and stuff like, <laughs> Yeah. that's a memorable <laughs> and, uh, one leo is yeah leo is far from <laughs> from an exception here but it's fascinating yeah how abercrombie I mean, throughout the whole series too talking about just his like repressed nature like he comes so close to being like oh like i might be attracted to men but he never ever 
entertains it. He's like, oh, that's weird that I feel like aroused right now. That's odd. But and then he like never (laughs) breaks through. And even Savine is like suspicious at at times and everything like that. But um, he by the end, she knows for sure. But even he like, I mean, she has that conversation with Gerund, mm -hmm. Gerund, um, where she's like, Hey, you know, I'm going to I'm going to need smart people on my side like yourself and I mean you know, if if you were to help me out sometimes like far be it for me to stand in the way of like your, your very close relationship yeah. with Leo. Like <laughs> uh, he's like sweating. <laughs> he's like uh so when they're out fencing in the wizard crowd. So But Leo yeah, never she, she never... knows for sure, but there's, I mean, it's that genius of Abercrombie mm-hmm. in sticking so tight to the point of view of someone who is, you know, he was brought up to be homophobic, to be xenophobic, I think, as um, over in England. Uh, I, I would say they're probably more backwards than, like, uh, um, you're going to get in the Agrion. So you're uh, yeah you're dealing with someone who's i guess very much invested in not being gay and how that that shows up that shows up for real people in the real world Mm -hmm. all the time in the way that it shows up for leo here as like this uh, this homophobia that is uh, generated through repressed uh you know repressed urges mm-hmm. and then this complete inability to see things that are that seem so obvious from the outside but right yeah he's got those blinders on he does and that's a lesson he had to learn the hard way too and that's what i kind of want to take a step back for a second and go to the very beginning here it with um a little hatred with where we are like introduced to leo dan brock um the son of Finry, by the way, who I've always liked as a character, like the heroes, yeah, probably my favorite standalone. Um, I, I feel like that was kind of a tipping point for like, like some of Abercrombie's things he'd been workshopping for a while. Things like the little people that we get in um, yeah. Age of Madness, uh, we start to see him experimenting with here. He's got casualties. Yeah, casualties. Um, and just Finry as a character even, I think, is another one of those um, that he was trying new things. And, you know, Finry still managed to stick out in Age of Madness, but uh, mm-hmm. so Finry and then, all, you know, we remember from the heroes that she was married to Harrod Den Brock. And so funny to mention Lord Brock from uh, the first Law trilogy was basically yeah. going to be king of the Union until Baez mm-hmm. and Glockta stepped in <laughs> and Baez like weave this whole Well at that point I think just Baez. At that point Glockta was working to secure Votes uh, for the Archlector. Secure okay. votes for yeah, the Archlector. Right. He would have never yeah. secured votes but for go on, go on. for uh Giselle. <laughs> but um right, it was Baez until like literally he was they were voting and he was like standing a really good chance of winning and otherwise would have won if it wasn't for Baez in the like 11th hour um, revealing air quotes, revealing Jazal being the bastard son <laughs> of the King. And uh, um, then 
you know, that causes Lord Brock. Which, to by the way, it's hilarious that now, like, the the infant king of the Union is, like, a... It's basically, like, two two bastards in the lineage <laughs> to get right, because, like, Sabine's a bastard right. of a bastard. Right. So it's like... And and the kid was almost a bastard. Uh, they but they got married, um, mm-hmm. like while Savine was pregnant. So it's almost uh, like triple bastard situation, there. right? And then you have um, the descendant. <laughs> and of... None of it is even related. To, <laughs> yeah, none of it is actually related at all to um, <laughs> to the king in any way. So <laughs> well, yeah. unless you consider like the king before Jazal, because then Jazal became king, and it's yeah, like, well, yeah. technically, those kids are now like. The grandparents of Jazal, or the grandkids of Jazal, which is kind of funny. But Jazal yeah. is, you know, not even a, like a truly part of that bloodline. And then you have Lord Brock, who was almost king and then wasn't. And now they they came together, and here now they they run the union by the end of the um, Age of Madness. So I thought that was like a really interesting way to kind of bring these characters back mm. in because the Brock family was disgraced, right? They sided with the Gurkish once they lost the vote to become king and yeah. they lost stripped of lands and titles. Um, and then now you have Leo like t- two generations later who is obsessed with the stories and of honor. You know, I, I remember like one of the things I love about our Joe Abercrombie interview is when we were kind of talking to him about Leo and about the wolf also um, was this idea of th- these younger characters in the beginning there. They have this sense of grandeur and honor and like, like noble fights in battle. And they idolize uh, the bloody nine, right? They, they sing the songs mm. of the bloody nine. It's like anytime someone like idolizes the bloody nine, you have to kind of think twice about their mental capacities. And then Joe was like, Oh, you're kind of right, and then I we could like see that. the wheels turning in his head. I'm like, oh, oh, he said, I think explicitly. I think he was like, I think I. That's a good point. Like, I think I have to start like building some nuance into that and doing that. So, if there's another first love book and there's like, a nuanced memory of Logan Nine Fingers, we should take. We got to take credit for that. <laughs> Obviously, I'll take full credit. Full for credit that and. If we ever get first law in space, because I also mm. tried to inception that into Joe's mind. So, so yeah, yeah either of the, those full yeah. credit. <laughs> such a great, such a great yeah. moment. And then, yeah, Joe was so uh, receptive and kind to our indulging our craziness. <laughs> but that was part of it. This idea in the beginning, especially in a little hatred, they're like, oh, right into battle and, and win glory for the house. Just like Logan Nine Fingers fought the, the feared or whatever. And you're like, oh, OK, he's one of these guys <laughs> in the beginning, you know, just like a yeah. total meathead kind of <laughs> um, with Finry kind of mothering him. It's very fascinating. She's like making like she's governing basically while he's just charging off into battle and he's like recklessly charging into battle, but he's really good and he kills a lot of people. But you know, this constant Finnery constantly trying to educate him and tell him what to do. And she's super knowledgeable. She could have taught him so much and he could have been so well learned, but it took him getting blown to bits by a cannon at the end of the trouble with peace to learn some of these lessons that had been attempted to be drilled into his head his his whole life so uh, i just 
I don't know. That's another part of to me that fascinates me about Leo Dan Brock. That like pretty traditional introduction to like this tropey. Oh, I'm a like annoying, like privileged, strong like guy. To okay, I've been kind of soured by reality and and seen the bitterness of life, and I've learned how to like survive in this grim dark world and and that just makes me now a horrible person but a powerful one so it's like weird how he learned his lessons kind of thing and the similarity between the way that he learns his lessons and the way that glockta learned his lessons he's Mm -hmm. actually preposterously like glockta in Mm -hmm. in so many ways because glockta was just like how Leo was at the start of his, uh, I guess, uh, like his, I don't, don't want to say start of his life, because obviously, uh, when Glockta was a colonel, he was this guy who just was in love with himself, had so much hubris, and then he was tortured by the Gurkish, and he turns into this clever mastermind, uh, so much so that he <laughs> even comes up on uh, comes up on top uh, of Baez, right in the end of this series, which is uh, shocking. Right. But yeah, Leo follows a very similar trajectory where he is he is one of those guys as you say charles who is uh, worshiping the bloody nine all these other guys and then he's really smacked by reality when he's uh, injured to the point of uh, you know like losing a leg and and more and then i I almost want to say he comes into his own, but it's similar to what we were saying before about how Abercrombie's version of character, quote unquote, growth Mm -hmm. is very different uh, from other folks. Um, He, uh, I I, I don't even know if development is appropriate, character change, Um, uh, his... Uh, yeah, he goes through this intense character change uh, to become, I would say, clever, self-aware, like we were saying earlier. And uh, he definitely is willing to seize his moment like you were talking about, too. Right. It's interesting to see, um, you know, I also, you know, we, you compared him to Glockta, which is so brilliant because there's even that scene like towards the very end, a Savine POV chapter towards the very end of Wisdom of Clouds where it's like click, tap, grunt, click, tap, grunt. Yeah. Like you say you, like people say you marry your fathers and Savine never would have believed it. You know, something like that, which was like a reference to like Glockta's first chapter of this click, tap, grunt kind of um, motion. And it's the same, it, it like it mirrors, and that's a direct comparison very deliberately by Joe to say, look, this is, like how sometimes the world just chews idealistic people like this up and and creates these hardened guys that like are capable of doing some of these really um, brutal things like you know, change the course of a kingdom <laughs> but just because they've lost all pretense of whatever kind of honor they need to stick to or code they need to stick to when they can just act in their own best interests and that was a really great moment at the end. In the beginning of 
the Age of Madness, though, another character that I think we have to compare him to is Stour Nightfall. And they go through very mm-hmm. similar paths as well. Like, And they even are almost like friends in a lot of ways. They both idealize war stories. They're both born into these... Um, positions of being commanders in in battle and they're both very proficient in combat so they have these very similar ideas of grandeur about themselves and you know they have that famous duel and then they partner up together um where clover ultimately ends i mean where clover where um stour nightfall ultimately ends up there's that great line from clover where clover goes like you didn't earn your name it was given to you like you didn't earn Mm -hmm. any of this you're pathetic like why would anyone choose to follow you like you didn't learn your lessons the hard way or whatever and then he's killed ultimate taken prisoner and then eventually killed and then leo kind of goes through the same thing it's almost like it's like you need to face some of those critical failures to change like you could have someone like finry as your mom to give you any information you could ever know but it's not until you critically fail that you're able to look at your own faults and change and that's what abercrombie does a lot with his characters like they have these obvious things about them and they only are shown it and change when they're faced with these harsh realities or i like to use failures because abercrombie said he studied human failure as his thesis first bachelor's in psychology so i'm always thinking of these critical failures right so these characters face these huge failures and how that can be a um character developing moment for someone by going through something like losing a battle or getting maimed in battle getting humiliated in battle um, where the lamb eats the lion, you know, kind of a humiliation. Mm-hmm. And, um, but when that happens, it's always not like it's not a good thing to have that happen to you. So that comes with its own baggage. So, really interestingly balanced by Joe Abercrombie there. So, I always like to compare him to Stour Nightfall, too, for those failure reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I think Stour never really got the chance to learn his lessons i don't think he was really capable of learning any of it but once he got captured and and maimed he he's basically just kept in a cage until he's cries like a baby who knows for his life yeah yeah. so he didn't didn't have the chance to rise to the occasion but I, i also think he starts with a level of maliciousness that leo Leo doesn't have that at the beginning that gets beaten into him Mm -hmm. and because it he starts off almost naive and Mm -hmm. uh, in in a lot of ways he uh, I guess he believes in like the idea of nobility like being a noble person and trying to do what's right he he has that at the beginning Mm -hmm. and then it's like interesting to think about how much of Leo's quote unquote development into this, I think even way worse person than, than he was at the start. Um, how much of it is his fault and how much of it we can say is him being a victim of circumstance. Mm-hmm. I think that you, 
I'm far be it for me to be a Leo apologist, but trying to <laughs> give him his fair shake. Uh, there's so many, there's so many instances in the trouble with peace, especially which is, uh, we believe, a masterpiece and, and the strongest mm-hmm. novel in the entire First Law universe, where Leo he's kind of led by the tail, if you will. Um, the young, I should have said the young lion is led by the tail, if mm. you will. And he's, uh, he's, he's tricked. Um, they, uh, like Isher is convincing him all along the way of all these false injustices and whatnot to try to, try to get him to uh, foment rebellion, Mm -hmm. right? We have Lord Wetterland, who's just a garbage person (laughs) and a rapist and a murderer. And Leo's not really plugged in on this situation. You have Isher telling him like, oh my God, the injustice of how they've treated him. The mental fortitude to understand the complexity of like like what was happening in the court, right? It's like... Well, who cares? Like, she was a peasant, he's a noble, what's the problem? And it's like, yeah, well, he did something really bad in front of witnesses. Like, yeah, it was like a, Well, he doesn't believe it happened. Right. He doesn't think it... He believes he was false... He believes that Wetterland was falsely accused. Because mm-hmm. I think even, even him being a noble, like, I think Leo would... would before him being executed he kept saying it was a disgrace to even like bring him to trials like you know that yeah Mm -hmm. and the ways that isher pitches the the closed councils being extremely corrupt which might not be entirely untrue and the plan is supposed to be in leo's head that they're going to basically just oust the closed council they'll leave orso as king and then between isher and savine working behind his back like savine after every meeting that leo is having like comes in leo leaves for whatever reason like you know at one point she like fakes having like issues with her pregnancy and he, he runs out and She's just like, okay, let's talk about what's actually going to happen. And it's all like Leo's going to be on the throne and she's going to, she was going to betray Rick guys, all this really bad stuff that was actually Savine uh, who initiated it or Isher who initiated it. And almost all the way through the Trouble with Peace, Leo is in his head in the right and... It's not maliciousness that's uh, causing him to do all these things. It's uh, naivety, ignorance, and maybe a little bit of battle lust. Uh, yeah, exactly. Maybe more than the battle lust for battle sure. Lust it's is, interesting to uh, see how many people... Trouble with peace, by the way. Sorry, go on. Go on. What about I was just going to say, like, the, the quote, the quote that uh, Trouble with Peace comes from. Um, let me actually get it right. Um, but... It's like the trouble with peace is the warlike the warlike man attacks himself. Oh um, right, right. I actually got that right, um, and I think there's definitely a lot of that going on with Leo too, but a lot of 
what's going on with him is uh, he's he's being tricked. Yeah, and almost everyone tries to take advantage of him, like from his own wife. Celeste Den Huygen, remember, tries to, like, successfully, by the way, put a wedge between Leo and Savine by being like, oh, Savine and Orso were lovers. Didn't you know that? And he's like, what? Of course, Orso inviting him to dinner during the battle to stall for time and making all the jokes about the fish and the cooking and this and that. Um, then, you know, King Jappo, one of my favorite scenes is the two, like the two interviews side by side with King oh, Jappo, yeah. not interviews, but like meetings with King Jappo, like yeah. the Leo one, which was disastrous. And then the Orso one. Um, so like constantly Leo is being played the fool and he falls into the trap almost every single time. And it gets to the point by the end of Wisdom of Crowds, which is crazy because he's like, people love me. Like, I talk and everyone claps. Like, why am I getting treated so disrespectfully? You know, that's something he could never quite um, figure out at the beginning. You know, it's like everyone's trying to pull a fast one on me. I'm just trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to do the noble thing. And, like, I, I'm here for glory and this and that. But meanwhile, I'm just getting taken for a ride at every turn. And I think when he finally wakes up to that is part of his um, development into the guy that ultimately betrays Orso. It, um, and uh, I, I'm always just reminded of how he's got the, you know, he he won um, against the Northmen in the first book, A Little Hatred. And he's like sharing the triumph with prince orso and everyone likes leo and doesn't like orso <laughs> but you know leo's got that and then by the time you get to the last book they talk about the like the poorly balanced golden sword with the lion on it that orso gave to leo and leo has it's like the ornamental sword he's like the balance is shit you know it's a, it's a terrible weapon like it's it's uh it's um it's uh, it was just like a funny just uh, another thing that's like eventually Leo's like, why am I holding on to all of this? It's like, uh, enough, enough. He just stops caring about that stuff towards the end. Yeah, he does. All the pomp and circumstance definitely gets beaten out of him, and he he becomes ruthless and, and even Machiavellian. Mm-hmm. Um, by, by the way, the quote, I, I found it. It's actually a Nietzsche quote, Ooh, which is Nietzsche. interesting. I, I think... I think Abercrombie, he he said something along the lines of like, uh, I I like my quotes to be from men who are or people who are uh, like really smart and really dead, <laughs> like it's so like, <laughs> from a copyright perspective, he's like, and like Nietzsche's not gonna sue him, yeah. uh, so. Uh, the quote is, in times of peace, the warlike man attacks himself. So nice, that's, you got it. Uh, yeah. So anyway, anyway, Charles, uh, I, I I would like to hear from you. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're softer on Leo than I am. Uh, how much do you view him as a victim of circumstance? And how much do you view him as just like a bad person? Um, I mean, there's a lot of qualities about him that I don't like. His bigotry and his homophobia and this and that. You know, not the most admirable of traits. But at a certain point, you have to be like, you know, 
is he wrong? Like, is what he's doing any worse than what anyone else is doing? You know, we like Orso because he's self-deprecating and this and that. And uh, But at the end of the day, it's like Leo has the opportunity to become king and he does it pretty quickly and efficiently. And all he has to do is get Orso off the map. And at this point... Uh, no one even cares or likes Orso anyway, so it was an easy enough thing to do to get rid of him. And so at, the, at that point, he, then he's king now. And it's like, look, I'm king. I win the game. Well, it's not king. Well, it's not. that's king. what makes that last chapter, um, the villains, so, so good. It is when Leo realizes mm. how like powerless he still is. Um, and like kind of how they have like yeah. this standoff with Savine, but um, he, he secures the throne for his family, for his house. He wins mm. the Game of Thrones at the end <laughs> because of basically all he had to do was stab a guy and then hang Orso. Um, and he's won essentially. And the public loves him because he's, you know, he becomes eloquent and he's able to um, give these speeches to the people and um, win over the court of public opinion. Which it's funny that Leo is the one that has the command over public opinion when no one in power listens to him at all. It kind of just another one of those scathing things that Abercrombie was able to write in to this world that I love so much. But. <laughs> Like, yeah, Leo's the one that's the voice of the people. He's the man of the people. And meanwhile, everyone is just like, <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> it's just making a fool out of him at every turn. Uh, it's like you spent all your energy in becoming the man of the person. Meanwhile, Savine just negotiated the whole kingdom away from you and you can't do anything. So it's like... And Savine becomes more of the the woman of the people even more so than yeah. Leo by the end because the she's, she's the just slums. so much better. The darling of the slum. She's just so much better at the game. Yeah. She's so much more practiced. So Leo's doing all the dirty work and Savine behind the scenes uh, sets things up where she is the, uh, the, the real power until their uh, kiddo comes of age. But... Yeah, he's uh, he's he's outmatched in that <laughs> between those two in that way. But what he has that Savine doesn't is like sometimes that like bullheadish quality of just charging in in a moment. Um, it shocks Savine sometimes, but he's able to be like no, we're doing this. Like he, towards the end, he starts to become a bit more convicted and he becomes a bit more like, I'm doing this and I'm not, you know, going to think twice about it. And that's partially because he can't compete in the clever department anyway. So he's like, I'm not even going to think about it. Forget it. And just like charge through, um, which we love about Leo. But yeah, I would say, you know, that's why I'm, I'm, I feel like it's. Do we love that about Leo? No, I mean it's easy to hate Leo, <laughs> but at the same time, he's like, is he any better or worse than anyone else in this story? Like, I don't know. You know, he hasn't like Clover's done like just as bad stuff. Clover killed a uh, wonderful 
his best friend <laughs> like without a second thought yeah. i mean he always resented it and got his revenge well he had plenty of second thoughts well not in the moment not in the moment he sees the moment yeah he sees the yeah, moment but exactly which leo had to learn yeah. that lesson but <laughs> clover learned that lesson a long time ago he was like kill wonderful okay boop <laughs> but it's um yeah uh, it's interesting it, it's it it's go ahead yeah well i think you bring up Clover there, so I want to say it's amazing how much being, I guess, a little bit funny and charming and those kind of things, how many favors that does uh, for the mm-hmm. way that we perceive these characters. Because mm-hmm. it is true. You could easily make the case that Clover is a worse person than Leo. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't have it in me to really despise uh, Clover. It's kind of like <laughs> right, and then you have like Savine, <laughs> for example. Like okay, like Savine, funny, yeah. like stole. You know, not you know, she strong armed a lot of people in business. She's like, how many orphans have I made? Like, and then like factories have I run? And like people that I've forced yeah. to live in poverty in my slums or whatever. Like she has those moments, but she still did that at a level that Leo was never capable. Leo could charge into battle and kill people, but that's about all he can do. And that's contained to like killing soldiers. I'm trying to think of like when Leo did anything like truly dishonorable, um, betraying Orso is a big one, but I'm trying to think if there's any others, but I mean, he's not well, that killing forest, which you alluded mm. to earlier. That's horrible. Mm-hmm. And but on the scale of these other, and characters... I mean, he killed Gorst, bro. <laughs> well, he did kill Gorst, but um, you know that was with Gorst like trying to kill him. You know, it was a battle. It was battle. It wasn't like an innocent life. That's not a battle. But what I mean, it was all part of the pursuit of war, so mm-hmm. um, yeah. I'm not trying anyway, to be like a Leo just... apologist. I'm just saying like it's interesting how easy it is to hate him and you know someone like Glockta who's a torturer and like plays with society <laughs> like it's a game of chess and we like him. Uh, uh, you know, and that's not right or wrong. It's just interesting. It's how Abercrombie's able to put characters in different lights like leo's supposed to have that unlikable quality to him and orso is supposed to have like a more redeemable quality to him so that when the betrayal happens it just stings and feels not only shocking but like um empty like anticlimactic and like it's like why did this have to happen no one wanted this you know it's like it's that situation that he's Mm -hmm. able to create by balancing the likability with the characters and also like the actions and honor of the characters too Mm -hmm. i think leo's that fine balance of like you know he's acting with the same scheme or honor integrity these are all lessons that he learned from other people like other people blasted these lessons into him and he's mm-hmm. become this guy. So the fact that he's also a bigot and, and stupid, it makes him not likable. It's not fair to call him stupid anymore, but I, no. it's funny. Anyway, <laughs> um, I think that it's, uh, 
it's it's interesting what you bring up there, Charles. I I think that some of what helps redeem the characters in our eyes that you bring up, folks like Glockta, is their I don't know if reluctance is the right word, but that they have second thoughts, that they question the things that they do. Sabine is this way as well. I think that Leo, once he's learned the lessons, when you read those chapters, there's just about zero questioning of his behaviors and if if they're right or wrong or Mm -hmm. if he should engage in them. And I think that is, that's part of what makes Leo so easy to despise. I think if you just step back from our view of being in the minds of these characters mm-hmm. and just wrote down on a piece of paper, like all the sins of all of these characters, uh, like all our main point of view characters, uh, I would not be shocked if Glockta's list is looking way, way, way longer and worse, just written down on paper. But we see Glockta strive for these little goods, right? right? We talk about that back in our Glockta character analysis, which is one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, that's a great discussion. Recorded. That's yeah, that's a good one. But um one of the big things we arrived at at the end was this idea uh that uh, when he is second fiddle to Baez, he thinks, okay, maybe we can eke out these little goods. I don't think it even crosses Leo's mind as to why he wants power mm. besides pa- having power in itself. His pride. And I think Savine, his pride, his, uh, yeah, He's a lion after his all. <laughs> desire to, he is a lion, yes. And I think Savine, at least in her head, She's like, oh, yeah, like, this has to be worth it. She writes, she has that conversation with Vic that drills that into her. She wants to do good. Mm -hmm. Will she? (laughs) Remains to be seen. (laughs) Maybe she'll make, like, a hospital or something. (laughs) She made an orphanage. And she has, (laughs) hey, she's done, yeah, she's done some charity work. Uh, it's hard to remove. She gave that away from bread. I mean, she was trying to win over the people for her own self-image, but she still gave away bread. Right. So, yeah, that's that's something. I think that the the issue is that Leo he is bullheaded, like you mentioned before, mm-hmm. Charles, and I think that 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 hurts him when it comes to how we perceive him. Right, and you touched on like him just having almost no moral values, yet like he was like running this thing of like honor and integrity and stuff. It's like a weird combination, and then you know you touched on that. It's true. He has no interest in doing good. He just has interest in at the beginning like glory and battle and this and that, and by the end it's like he just wants it because he's bitter and doesn't want anyone else to have it. You know, like he's tired of being played the fool. <laughs> like a child. Yeah, exactly. He is childlike yeah. a lot of times. He, even he has his mom come in and like daddy up on him all the time. And you have these moments. Where <laughs> his mom daddies up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I would say she mommies up. 
<laughs> well, she mommies up and daddies up because I mean. poor Hera Denbrock yes. is, is not in the picture. And maybe growing up without a dad had a negative effect on uh, poor Leo. Well, he was involved some. some. But, well, I guess he was alive some, but he was not an involved father. Leo does reflect on that at one point, And right. his dad, his dad was basically just like, Boy, shouldn't cry is like his main <laughs> right. influence. <laughs> right. Herod was a bit um, of a Leo's. nothing kind of character. Like, yeah. skip the generation. <laughs> you called him yeah, well, off the air before this. You called him a nothing burger. <laughs> yeah, he was basically a, a nothing burger. <laughs> you're like, you're like, yeah, we're talking. He's like, oh, you offhandly were like, yeah, uh, he's kind of a nothing burger. So, because uh, <laughs> I was trying to remember fair. Lord Brock's first name, and I still don't know what it is. I can't find it anywhere. Herod. No, Herod is the da- is Leo's dad, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. Not him. He's the nothing burger. Oh, you're saying the original Lord uh, the Brock, grand- like the Grandpa original Brock. Grandpa Brock. Yeah. Yeah. Grampy. Grampy. Oh, Brock. he was a real nothing burger. <laughs> no, Grampy almost became king, <laughs> man, and like. Yeah, well, you know, almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, Charles. <laughs> and, uh, and um, yeah, I mean, at least, you know, he he had a huge house and almost won and then sided with the Gurkish, was a traitor. What are you going to do? But, um, you know, Baez brought the Brock family back into the fold with Finry's, or through Finry's arrangements and the heroes. But... Now you have Leo just stomping all over the Baez agreement, and Finry's like panicking, and Yusufa's like, "My master will not like this at all." <laughs> and and then Savine's like, "You're yesterday's woman, Finry. Rest no one peace. cares what you think." Yeah, rest in peace, Euro. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> rest in um, <laughs> rest in unrest. <laughs> right? Rest in peace. He did yeah. get torn to pieces. He did. That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> he's resting in pieces. All right. From those other eaters. Got him. I'm um, from Team Glafta. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's Leo, basically. Um, I don't know if there's much more to say about the guy, the lion. Um, ultimately, the... The young lion. The young lion. I guess we could talk about that chapter of the villains. We kind of already did, though. And... Where even then Leo thinks he's won, and then we talk about that in our original. We do talk about that too. Crowd. So it's such a great like, way to end, like at the quotes and stuff too, because it's like you give him so the victory, there, like he yeah. learned his lesson, he seized his moment, he didn't delay, he won the crown, but he's still kind of powerless, and he's still kind of at, out being outsmarted by others. So that was like a really fun ending their character such a strong like scene between the two where leo's just trying to be like well, we'll vote right now who's with me and then no one votes with him and he's like <laughs> what this is an outrage he's like i will march the armies into the town square it's like and i'll starve them and he's like this is crazy you know it's just like that bullheadishness he never quite shook and he's having a tan like a full-on tantrum and Savine's like, excuse us for a moment, everybody. It's such a great scene. That needs to be put to film. It would be so good. But um, just one of those crowning Leo moments. It's like, at the end of the day, here we are. Are we any better? Are we any worse? I don't know. But it's different. <laughs> it's, it's different now. And that's kind of, it I think, different. the lesson of the wisdom of crowds. It's like they burned it all to the ground to change it. 
and then now it's changed, but it's it's only changed in that like a few things are different. I, like it has remained to be seen, like what good has come from it. And the good thing we did get was with um, oh god, what's her face, uh, with the long eye, ah, main character Ricka. Ricka thank you, wow. <laughs> Ricka, but where she was uh. able to have that victory <laughs> feast, and then she was able to hold back her premonitions to enjoy that little moment of the celebration of their victory. Which is how the series ultimately ends, which I loved. So it's this idea of like almost like the farce of these grand scale victories when like how much is it really changing or burning down one leader, building up another? It's like really you're just trying to win these moments in between. And I think Leo's not capable like you said, like Leo's not about these peaceful moments. He doesn't enjoy his he doesn't like connect with his family at all or his children really and um he's repressed in a lot of ways so he's not embracing these moments and he's just been defeated and left kind of powerless compared to these other characters that have had to have some sort of like either goodness or death <laughs> brought onto their lives that's like the the like the bittersweet endings that abercrombie's so uh famous for very bittersweet i mean i feel like Leo, he, his heart started in the right place. I, I think his heart ended in the absolute wrong place. And he's not even really that satisfied with himself, with his position, <laughs> with no. his wife, with his kids, <laughs> with anything. No. Um, and he does feel that resentment. You kind of mentioned this before. He feels that resentment because he was shaped into this by all the people around him. And there's even this moment where he reflects on like everyone kept my mom, uh, also Savine, like everyone kept telling me how I had to be more ruthless and like seize my moment conniving naive. And again, be more conniving, like because both, both Savine and Finry were great at playing the game like that. Mm. And, Uh, he's like as soon as i start actually doing that now everyone hates me (laughs) so he's like i won the flipping throne like Mm. what more do you want from me now you're not gonna feed my army (laughs) like the indignity (laughs) now i can't even win a vote in my own council like after i won the throne you know so it's like yeah i mean that's how that works (laughs) yeah i mean in savine and probably some others minds it's like He's, uh, we'll use the phrase, yesterday's man already because he he served his purpose for this regime, right. which the thing he was best at was doing what had to be done, those ruthless actions to actually get them the power. But now that they have the power, is there anything that Leo is better at from the perspective of actually being a ruler than Savine is? Especially in like a perceived... <sighs> think so time even though you could still march it but that whole thing was they didn't want to march on sapan and there's still people better than leo yeah leo's not i don't think a particularly great commander or anything like (laughs) jaren no the lamb ate the lion bro (laughs) better equipped the lamb ate that line up bro (laughs) (laughs) the lamb ate that line bro (laughs) (laughs) ate that lion up (laughs) 
<laughs> but then the uh, uh, owl ate the lamb, uh, which we all know what that means. Too soon, Charles. Sorry. Too soon. We were having a good moment, and well, I uh, made it too real. R.I.P. or so. Yeah. He was a real one. Yeah. How's the leg, Leo? That's a real one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is. That's probably how we should close out. <laughs> Which is that's... funny because that was his bad leg after his fight with Stour, the and then it is... became his good leg yeah. after his tough with yeah, Orso. His only leg, yeah. <laughs> right. I do love how's the leg as Orso's, uh, <laughs> Orso's closing line to Leo. Mm-hmm. And parting words. It's sad. I mean... And we'll have to give Leo our parting words, I think, mm-hmm. very soon. I, I think we've said most of what we can on him. I I know we got some feedback. The reason we're, we're doing Leo first isn't because I was so eager to discuss uh, this character uh, among over the these others. I, oh, yeah, over any of the others. Um, uh, I, because I hate him. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i always enjoy talking first law but i just don't think on my of my own volition i, I would have jumped to leo first i'm still pissed at him but uh, one of the reasons was because we we didn't cover him in the same depth that we did uh, especially like orso and Rico got a lot of pop in our right. uh, wisdom of crowds episode so it feels like leo got a little uh done a little dirty in in that one and we also we got some feedback uh from listeners who wanted to hear more um leo so i hope you all have enjoyed our discussion here yeah this one's fun and it's yeah well it's you know part of that abercrombieism that i just really enjoy where he's not necessarily giving us like something that's particularly i don't know what the right word is but like you, know, you you come away like not necessarily super overly enthusiastic about what happened but that's almost like the beauty of it it's like these endings they're kind of like you you're not sure what to feel about them and i think leo kind of embodies that he's like he's not a likable character he's not like he doesn't progress in any meaningful way but there is something fascinating about him and something really real about him in this world of grimdark fantasy that is so entertaining and even if he's not the most like rewarding or endearing character he's not like logan nine fingers who's got all his funny catchphrases and he does all the heroic things (laughs) but he embodies the spirit of this world so perfectly and that's why i think he merits just a discussion a little little bit more depth so i'm glad we did get to give him the time Mm -hmm. yeah don't get me wrong charles i think he's extremely well written and i would say you nailed it there by saying he embodies what the first law universe is about i especially think he he embodies what the age of madness is about where you you mentioned this before the idea that folks kind of need to repeat the same mistakes as previous generations because they can't just they can't just learn lessons by <laughs> you know in Being. leo's case like finry telling him things mm-hmm. it's like it, you you end up just learning these lessons on your own anyway uh for for better or worse mm-hmm. um you know and he made a lot of same mistakes as someone like logan or um or Glockta or whatever i i think that 
he uh, he is p- potentially the character that defines those lessons more than anyone so uh pro- and props to joe for his willingness to stay committed to that mm-hmm. with leo for his willingness to even though i am so angry this happened still for his willingness to have leo kill Orso in that horribly i don't know if ironic is the right word for it but like um uh, i just 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 in uh, unjust injust is the injustice it's definitely un like it's unjust uh, what happened for sure yeah like uh, of having Orso spare leo and then leo when the situations are reversed uh he, he does not hesitate. Nope. So Almost, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, it's it's extremely well written. The parallels to Glockta, like that we mentioned before, I think are highlights of the book and the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I don't want to be down on Leo as a character. Right. I think I just like as a. As a person, uh, he, I find <laughs> oh, yeah. it completely reprehensible. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I don't no think like, We're not hanging out anytime soon. <laughs> argue with me on that. <laughs> we're yeah. not going down to Cardotti's anytime soon to hang out. Although, I don't know if I want to oh, find I myself in Cardotti's anymore. guy in general, Joe. It's not how I perceive you, Joe. <laughs> no. But I was knows? just trying to think of another bar. Yes. That's the only one I could think of in the first law universe <laughs> that still exists. <laughs> Yeah. That thing will yeah, always survive. I'm hoping when we get Abercrombie in space, <laughs> Cardotti's is still there, you know, somewhere in the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's had like 60 fires <laughs> since then, but it's still there. <laughs> it's the oldest bar in the world. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, yeah. I mean, but we're at that hour mark. Despite as we the promised. fires and despite. <laughs> I'm just going to waste time. Despite the fires and despite Gorse perceived failure in that moment we got gorst redemption mm-hmm. uh, given to him by um, <laughs> he at least died by leo and he says um by do you leo believe in redemption anyway. and then leo's like i don't give a damn or whatever mm. and he's like give it time you will you know so it's like maybe leo just needs more time more time right maybe we just need to give it time and speaking uh, of more time we don't have any yeah. of that you're right <laughs> great say <laughs> so like what's in store okay. for leo in the future maybe he'll get his redemption arc but uh, for now despicable human being very well written so um with those words being said what do you say dylan i think it's time to play that sweet sweet outro music that's yeah let's get that sweet sweet outro music pumping Charles. all right Thank you, everyone, one and all, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, if you love the first law conversations, let us know over on social media. That's at the FTF Podcast on Instagram and at the FTF Podcast with a number one on the end over on Twitter. Now, Dylan, if they like what they heard today and they want to support the show even further beyond following us on social media, what can they do? toss five stars to our podcast which you could now do on spotify you're just two clicks away from making that happen you can also do it on apple Podcasts. you can write a review there if you are so inclined 
blind. Uh, also, you know, uh, that's this stuff really does help us a ton. I think, you know, we go through the, the motions of me saying this all the time, but it means a lot to us when uh, y'all give ratings. We're just this, this little podcast put together by two friends and uh, doing... Uh, doing this all on our own here, all so on our own. Oh, it's totally like we have some unmonetized. corporate backing to get this out here. <laughs> no right? So, and we bring it all to you for free. For the love uh, of the game. So, you're right. If we do it for the love of the game, so if <laughs> if you rate us, that's one of the great ways that we can get the word out there uh, about our podcast. It'll help it show up more for people and recommendations and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, we we need your help, folks. We need it, and you can get do that, that by tossing content out there, people, to our podcast. Yes, that was a long well said. But just listening is already more than enough. Oh, sorry, I didn't do the thing. <laughs> just Give us likes, give us likes. Also, you could just listen. You could just listen. You don't have to rate it. Just listening is more than enough. But it'd be nice to rate us. It would be nice to rate us, but you know what? By making it here, you're already an OG. So thank you so, so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. And as always, go forth and conquer, friends. <laughs>